0: Hey everyone, just quickly before we get into the episode, I wanted to say that this episode will actually be in two parts and that's just because the subject matter is so interesting and when myself and Sophie get together, we end up talking for far longer than we have planned. So I thought that I would divide this into two parts so that the information is easier to access and so that you don't have to dedicate so much time to listening to an episode. Anyway, I hope you find the episode interesting and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did making it. Hello and welcome to the Beans and Barbells podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the menstrual cycle, training and nutrition considerations. For the menstrual cycle and to help me with this today i have a special guest sophie jane scott say hello scott say
1: hello scott yes hello, say hello. Scott. <laughs> yes, yes I, please please do say hello
0: say hello miss scott coach scott soon Ms. to be dr scott
1: coach scott uh, Thank you. I was going to say, soon to be Dr. Scott. Thank you very much. Don't forget, I'm finishing my PhD very soon. I've I been won't. saying that for a long time. It's nowhere near finished. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Scott, <laughs> got, really got a works lot of work as well. Of your it's good, isn't it? Yeah. Can you remember the? Can you remember the um, the BBC program, Doctor Doctor Foster?
0: No, not at all.
1: Saran Jones. It ah, nope. was really good, really good, oh. but. It just it just sounds like that it was really good. Saran Jones is really sexy too, so it's just really good.
0: Okay, I'll take your word on that. Um and possibly Google it yeah. afterwards.
1: Except I will I will be an actual doctor of nutrition rather than a fictional character on a BBC drama. For now. <laughs> we'll For <see>. now.
0: <laughs> Maybe in the future.
1: <laughs> With my career takes alternative path, you never know. <laughs> you never know. So...
0: <laughs> otherwise we are not going to get into the podcast episode um just to as a brief introduction because i know how much you love talking about yourself um and mentioning your own name but what is your background um why 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 should we trust you sophie why should we listen to you
1: that's a good question um so my background or credentials if you will um I have studied nutrition and physiology since I was 17. Um, I did my degree, my undergraduate degree in human nutrition. I graduated with the first class in 2018. Uh, since 2018, I was scouted for my PhD um, and started that at 21. And was I 21? Yeah, I think I was 21. Um, my, new, my PhD is... By definition, it's nutritional biochemistry. Um, Specifically, it looks at sucrose-induced metabolic interaction. uh, But to be honest with you, I look at a lot of things within that as well. Um, But within that, I sort of look at so many different aspects of metabolism and physiological process and biological cascades within the human body. Um, I also work full-time as a performance coach. Uh, With that, I, I... coach nutrition, uh, I work with powerlifters, I work with bodybuilders I work with crossfit athletes, I work with Rob I work with um. I work with uh, people who judo judoers, is that a word? Um, I think
0: so, I think that's the
1: I, yeah, I think so too, but I, I work with a, a whole range of, of individuals um, athletes, general population um, and essentially play strategies and track health parameters and and improve their performance and in whatever capacity that I can. Um, a lot of my client base is female, so when it comes to the menstrual cycle, I am also a woman. Um, so I've worked with a lot of individuals who do menstruate and, and we do see a lot of these effects within training and within, you know, their diet and within their, to be honest, their behaviors on a day-to-day basis, so... I think I can give my two cents on this quite confidently.
0: you feel comfortable doing so
1: y i'll I'll take one for the team and i'll I'll let people know yeah
0: <laughs> brilliant um in that case if if we uh if we get into it, um what would you say is one of the most common questions that you get around? the menstrual cycle and for people who wish to improve their fitness and nutrition on a more general sense?
1: Uh, Most common question. It's either why do I look and feel like shit this week (laughs) Um, or why do I hate training at the moment like it always happens when I'm on my period it's always oh why does it why is it always when I'm on my period that's how the question starts why is it always when I'm on my period such and such happens so probably why do I feel like shit when I'm on my period like usually I feel great but every single time I'm on my period why do I feel like shit Um, and it's not necessarily a case of like physically they feel like shit so they feel um sluggish or um, their recovery is impaired, or they like their DOMs are really bad, or something like that. It, you know, mentally, they, it comes into it as well. So, feeling like shit being on mentally, I, I'm trashed. Um, I'm struggling to think straight. I'm struggling to focus and kind of put pen to paper and actually perform what I want to perform. So, even, you know, getting up and being proactive and and actually training because you know it's all well and good talking the talk and saying you know i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do this but a lot of females tend to get towards their menstrual cycle and and something like something flicks the switch and they go i don't want to train i want to feel like this i want to store somebody's head in and i want to do this and and then i'll get the message of Coach, why do I feel like this? And I'm going to do this. And why is everything shit at the minute? And I could do this for such and such last week. Why can't I do this? And it's like, oh, are, G- are, you, are you G1? And it's like, oh, yeah, I think I am, yeah. It's like, okay, that's normal. It's okay. And usually when you approach it from a, okay, please don't worry, you are a biological female who menstruates your your body is going through this physiological cycle where things peak and, and trough and you know if we if we maintained every single variable you don't have that much influence over your hormones. So yeah, I'm sure we'd all love to be able to manipulate things so that we never experienced any side effects as a result of menstruation, but that's simply not the case. And particularly during menstruation as well, it, it kind of I don't want to go too much into it because honestly you could you could dissect this for hours and you could go into the reasons behind every single day of the 28 day cycle but predominantly what we're looking at is 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 two phases so we've got the follicular phase and the luteal phase and it's usually on the run up to the luteal phase so you know talking about the back end of the follicular phase which is technically the first half and towards the luteal phase that things start, to, we start to see those changes. So the, the graph kind of looks like this, and there's like three different players, and they kind of peak and they drop off in certain phases, but towards that 14-day mark or towards the luteal phases where you start to see things change. And the proposed theory is the drop-off and people think it's a drop-off in estrogen, but it's actually estrogen signaling um, that can cause the changes in mood swings and, and PMSs. You know, everybody knows what every female always says. Oh, it's it's PMS and things like that, and it's that it's that shift in um, progesterone and and estrogen signaling that can cause these effects in mood swings because we know that hormones change all of the time, and we know that with that is certain neurotransmitters and certain you know the happy hormones and things like that. So serotonin and and dopamine, and within this cycle we do see influences on these neurotransmitters as a result of these hormones that fluctuate within the cycle. So when we approach this luteal phase, estrogen signaling decreases. And with that, we actually see a decrease in serotonin and, and dopamine, not across everybody, but we we can see that, that re- reduction in dopamine and serotonin. And with that, that can produce the mood swings. And often what women say is they're really irrational. And with this drop off in the neurotransmitter you know if, if somebody can't think straight or they want to you know they don't have the motivation to do things if if we don't have this mm. flux of dopamine it's often very difficult to to actually put those actions into practice because something that is typically associated with with flux and dopamine and providing this this joy is massively decreased compared to what it is typically because of this drop off an oestrogen so it's not necessarily that the activities isn't providing the fluxing of dopamine that it did previously it's that you haven't got the oestrogen to signal the the neurotransmission of these this dopamine and serotonin so it might actually spark exactly the same amount of joy but what was previously up here with with fluxing of dopamine is actually now down here because e2 is going no i'm not i'm not here to signal this anymore so usually that's where we see the mood swings come in, and that's why people suffer with the motivation and things as well. So it's not a case of like your motivation has dropped; it's this endocrinology shift where E two is not signalling this this up regulation anymore, and you feel like you're more irrational, and you you know you it's harder to do things. So training becomes less of a oh I'm ready to go, I'm really excited. It's oh I'm I'm going because I'm disciplined and I want to do this and I want to do this, but actually I don't feel like it. So I think motivation is an interesting one anyways, because a lot of people talk about, oh, motivation doesn't exist. And, oh, you know, it, you do it regardless kind of thing. But, you know, there is a correlation between being motivated and this, this flux of dopamine. And of course you're going to do things that are going to actually provide joy because dopamine's great. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's brilliant. So of course you're going to do things that, that spark joy and, and you know, you, you live a much happier life if you've got this upregulation of dopamine as a result as well. So mood swings and motivation is, is probably the biggest one that people tend to talk about um, when they talk about their period and things like that. And let's be real, every woman has gone through a, a mood swing one way or another. You know, you go from being a height and really moody, or then you cry in the next minute. And it's depicted in films really well, isn't it? Where a woman's like hysterically crying one minute and then is like, in a car, going to run somebody over. The next, it's it's not that extreme, but you know it it certainly happens. And I'm sure there's been several um, manslaughter or murder cases as well, where a woman has, has actually blamed, like physically assaulting somebody or hurting somebody on their PMS, which I think is hilarious. But
0: so there, you interesting. Go. So just a sidetrack away from um, possible murder scenarios. As as someone who has has not experienced that and and going by what you were just uh saying you you touched on something that i found really interesting so to clarify is there literally a lack of something that normally provides you with the feed the sort of positive feedback that we would call motivation um so therefore you're 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 less able to have more of it
1: um, y- you could frame it like that. Yes. It's it's kind of your ability to signal it. So, it, you know, the, the idea of sort of positive reinforcement and then repetition of behavior and things is a very known model. So we look at, you know, dopamine interaction as a result of performing something and, um, that like instant gratification, because we see a reduction in estrogen signaling we s- potentially, again, this is very person-dependent, but we can see a reduction partic- potentially in, in the fluxing of dopamine surrounding a typical behavior. So if we right. see less of that dopamine fluxing, let's say for training around the workout parameter, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm really excited to train, and then you finish training, and you're like, oh, yeah, I killed that workout. If we we see less of that fluxing of dopamine as a result of training, so, you know, the brain is flooded with this, incredible feeling and and you get that cognition and the cognitive feedback immediately of oh that was great whereas if you start with a reduction in that so you know already you're like oh i usually i'm really excited to train a lot more and it can be quite self-fulfilling like a self-fulfilling prophecy in that respect because if you tell yourself you're you're like oh i'm I'm, today's the day that i'm not looking forward to it as much so it's going to be shit but you don't get maybe the extent of the positive feedback that you typically experience. So then that can feed into that slightly less positive feedback loop of, oh, I didn't enjoy that as much as I usually do. Oh, am I maybe not enjoying this anymore? Oh, maybe this isn't for me. And, you know, you kind of go through that cycle. And again, if you've got this sort of brain fog or this inability to upregulate cognition, during that period of the the luteal phase of the follicular phase whatever phase you're in then you sort of perpetuate that behavior a little bit more and that's where sort of the association with motivation can come into it because if you if you are irrational during that phase you can make these spontaneous decisions and, and make your mind up that it's not for you anymore and you've decided that i don't have any motivation anymore this isn't for me boom it's out of my life so it's kind of that this idea of brain fog and that inability to to reinforce a behavior that you know brings you joy and provides that fluxing of dopamine, but you just can't rationalize it because you've got this clouded judgment or this inability to sort of refer back to times where it has provided that dopaminogenic response.
0: So would you say then that that sensation, that inability to feel as motivated either before or afterwards, um is because of this physiological process as opposed to that person is a bad person because I think that yeah. what a lot of people tend to feel when they're going through you know moments of lack of motivation or performance isn't as good as it maybe once was or, or was last week or whatever I think I feel like people have a tendency to take that. And put it upon themselves. And so therefore you then get this. You get the double whammy. Of not only the the uh, physiological thing happening. But then people beat themselves up. They go. They mm-hmm. think there's something wrong with me. I'm not motivated. I'm a bad person. Because everyone else is motivated. And I somehow am struggling. So therefore I'm crap at this. Whereas. Yeah. What you're saying is. That there's a a thing that's happening in their bodies and brains that is making it harder for them to feel motivated. Would you say that that is kind of like a summation of this this idea, right? Because I think one of the important things about this conversation Mm -hmm. is understanding that these things happen Mm -hmm. and they happen because your body is making them happen because of all of these processes. Right. I think that the awareness of knowing that this stuff happens because of these processes is sometimes enough to create that space that allows for people to just go, Oh, it's not my fault. And I don't mean that in a, Oh, it's not my fault kind of way. It's just, There is something physically happening to me right now that is changing my mood and my ability to stay or feel motivated. It's not me as a person, like it's not my personality or or my failures as a human being. And so therefore being aware of that allows you to go, cool, I'm maybe not going to feel as motivated this week. Mm -hmm. I can work with that now. I can either change that, that's my that's strategy appropriately or maybe I can do something lighter or I can, you know, maybe even you go, I know I'm not going to feel as motivated, so therefore I will put in more effort to drag myself somewhere. But that's having it. those options, right, and knowing that that is happening and working and understanding that rather than feeling like you're just being a shit human today and that it's like you're personal fault
1: yeah I think you you touched on something very interesting there because I think the way that you approach the concept as a whole speaks volumes about the type of person that you are because there are going to be people who succumb to any any minor inconvenience and like oh well today's the day that I don't feel good about myself so that's it I'm done but I think having an awareness like you say surrounding this physiological process like you're going to menstruate every month you're going to go through this every month if you write it off and say that's 2 days every month that I'm going to lose that's on you that is up to you if you want to do that there's also lots of other ways that you can deal with this you don't necessarily have to throw those days away because you're like oh well today's the day that my dopamine's really low and you know there's it's not you as a person like you you're not a shit person because you know you don't feel as motivated today like you know your ability to tune into an activity comes and goes on a an hourly basis never mind like a, a daily basis or a weekly or monthly basis but i think your ability to assess whether you really want to do this activity or not will determine how you approach it so with some of my clients what we use is a defluxing tool so let's say if we know that somebody really struggles with dopamine and mental health and just their general sort of mindset and well-being surrounding their period, we might do something like a neuroplasticity drill, which basically means like freeing up energy in the brain is what I call it, or priming the brain so it's ready to to absorb something. And then we'll do something that actually sparks joy. That doesn't have anything to do with the gym. So maybe they'll do... Uh, maybe they'll watch a YouTube video or, or something that they really enjoy and we'll put that in there before they train. So we've already started that influx of dopamine and we reassociate an activity with an influx of dopamine. It doesn't work for everybody, but some people really find that what they need is to recreate that association and, and remind themselves that they are actually allowed to feel a dopamogenic, dop- dopaminogenic response from something that isn't just training. So All I think right, the so way you're... that you approach something is is gonna determine how you actually perform. So you can drag yourself in there and you can be like, oh, you know, you can you can say like, oh, I'm gonna just blast through it so it's done and it's out of the way. That's fine. You've done it, it's more than doing nothing. If you don't wanna approach it like that and you want to find the session as effective as it maybe previously was, or could be if you weren't on your period, You know, there's a lot of different ways that you could potentially ensure that you do ensure that the session is as efficient as possible. And something that we have to remember as well is during this period, you're not necessarily primed for cognition. We're talking about a redirection of blood flow and circulatory systems literally to your womb because you are menstruating. Like this is literally a process that happens and requires and actually excretes blood. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you therefore have a plentiful supply of blood to the brain, which can therefore mean that we have this impaired cognition. So if you need to upregulate your cognition before you go and do something that previously has actually fluxed dopamine, do it.
0: Well, I never thought Mic about- drop. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a sound effect for that. Um, I guess I never oh, thought God. about that idea God. of pairing two separate, um, activities to almost like either, like you say, prime yourself, right? I mean, we talk about motivation and, you know, you can, you can create motivation where well, you kind of generally do, um, by simple means, like, you know, most people use things like music or as you mm-hmm. say, watching a video, like watching a video of something that you find maybe motivating um but I never thought about it in the context of just viewing something that you enjoy like watching something to literally just boost your mood first to then go cool I'm now going to piggyback off of that to go to the gym not only to maybe That's help it. my mood to get to the gym but also my performance itself in the gym it's almost like again almost like a primer like you know with uh That's one it. thing that people use quite often um, to get themselves to the to the gym, especially if motivation is low, is doing is having a routine something that primes them to make their brain go, ah, oh, this is what we do before we go and work out. Whether that's a coffee, whether that's uh you know a certain yeah. mobility drill uh, routine, or maybe it's again listening to some music. Maybe it's the cycle to the gym or the car ride to the gym. I definitely know that that was. Yeah. You know, that was something that kicked my body into gear. Right. I'm here now. I'm driving to this place. This normally me. my body's like. And that's one thing about the gym, right? Once you get into that environment, that in itself is a a primer or a thing like you're not going to do much else when you're there. Normally you're there to work out. But yeah, this idea of literally just it sounds so simple when you say it. I'm going to watch a YouTube video that sparks some joy in me because right now that joy is very low. And so therefore, naturally, I'm not going to want to go and do this stuff. Right. You know, so ignoring, you know, the fact of, oh, yeah, you can just kind of go and get it done, as you said. Right. But in order to not only for motivation, but actual performance, when you then get there and priming that with possibly like cat videos or something that that provides genuinely joy.
1: though this is, like it's it's something that you maybe don't consider because i mean it's literally my job is is per- coaching performance and if somebody maybe their recovery is really really good and maybe usually their performance is really really good but in performance we have to look at neurology and if somebody's had a really shit day at work Maybe they just need something else. Maybe they need this neurological enhancement via something else that isn't necessarily associated to the gym. Maybe they need the brain capacity within training. But in order to have that brain capacity, they need to have the dopamine there. And this idea of of surge and dopamine and flux and dopamine, once you get to the gym. And that dopamine's already floating around. It's already there. That's when you start to draw upon previous experiences and this association of, you know what? I do actually love training. I love being here. I can associate this with so many good times that I've had. And what was previously a really shit day has now become, do you know what? I have had a really fucking shit day, but I feel great. And you know what? I really do love being here and I'm really fortunate to be here. And I've got myself here, even though I've had a shit day. So it's this ability to reframe things and, I don't use it. I use it as a novel stimulus. So you don't necessarily use it with somebody every single day because you start to sort of create this expectation and this sort of tolerance of, well, now I have to watch a cat video before I go to the gym. And you do sort of need to use it as a novel stimulus to actually enhance a, a novel scenario. So you don't necessarily use it every single time, but you can use it in a lot of different things, whether it's pre trained and whether it's, pre-bed, whether it's before you go to work, you know, if you need something to get you in a headspace where you can actually sort of pull upon these synaptic transmissions and this neurological process of, okay, I'm happy being here. I know what I'm doing. I know how to do my job. I know how to train. I just need to be able to, if, if the intention is here and the action is here, I need something to help me get from here to here. And if that is dopamine, flux it. Right. It doesn't matter what capacity you need to to actually create that sort of transmission. If it's a cat video, watch the fucking cat play the piano. Seriously. Like, it doesn't have to be, oh, well, in order to get into the gym, I need to be in the mindset of it. So therefore, I'm going to watch some one in a million instagram influencers or youtube influencers train and then i'm going to go in the gym and i'm not as jacked as them like it it, it can literally be anything it doesn't even necessarily have to be a youtube video it can be something that's mentally stimulating i have a couple of clients who knit before they go to the gym because that sparks some kind of blood flow to cognition and that sparks joy so that floods the dopamine in and there you go they can be doing it for five minutes it it, honestly there's so many different things that you can use to sort of overcome this idea of well today's not the day and you know maybe there are days where you have like that and it doesn't work and that's okay it really really is okay sometimes you can't override things but if you don't give it your best shot how on earth do you know that you can't pull that day around
0: yeah also coming back to this idea of not doing it all the time as well i guess um if you're having to do it every time something is wrong like if you're if you need yeah, a serotonin boost every time. It's like pre workout, right? If you if you cannot train without it, then something else is is not quite right there, whether that's your rest, you know, uh how else are you taking care of yourself and how what is your what does your life look like, right? Mm-hmm. So again, another reason to maybe only using it use it sparingly. So we've touched on mood swings and motivation I mean it's a it's such a big subject as it is and it's hard Mm -hmm. to keep it just to the subject of the menstrual cycle um but it's it's nice to know that like hey look I think the two things that we touched on right one is this awareness of oh god my body does this and this is this is not again a, a personal fault as me as a human being there is something happening that makes this harder Uh, you know that could possibly make this harder and the second thing is you know possible um, interventions so if you're like this is annoying because yeah I don't feel I I find it hard I struggle at certain times but I really want to reach my goal like I really I know deep down I want to do this it's just right now my mood is shot my motivation is shot so are there things that I can do that can just maybe bump me up that little bit to help out, right? To 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 get me there. Um. We had a few things that we wanted to talk about that we um feel were kind of uh things that people generally struggled with. Um, and as we said, mood swings and motivation is one of them. What about? Uh, because I think this is a really important one. The the subject of body image. And I'll phrase this to you in, in a question. Can the menstrual cycle affect how you perceive yourself and body image? And do you find that that happens with, with clients?
1: Yes. Um, it kind of ties in really nicely with this this cognition element and, you know, the the sensation of being irrational and being able to to see things and do things in a normal way. I say normal, but in a way that you typically would outside of the menstrual, like that period of the luteal phase or whatever phase you're in. Um, the, the body image one is a really, really interesting one because I see women get really, really hung up on this and something that we will touch on a little bit is is sort of the changes in, in body composition. But women, and I'm going to sort of paint paint females all with the same brush here, just because this is what the literature suggests. And this is anecdotally something that women tend to do more than men. But females are chronic overthinkers on paper, women overthink. That is, it's not necessarily saying that, oh, you know, typical woman overthinks. That is, on paper, a woman cognitively analyzes a situation several more times than a man does. That is just what the literature suggests. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes. It doesn't necessarily mean that men are reckless in any way, but it might mean that their decision time and their reaction times are much quicker as a result. So when it comes to... Periods of time where maybe that cognition's a little bit impaired. We start to overanalyze things and we go through things. And every single time we analyze something, we come up with a different answer. So when we're looking at this this image of ourselves in the mirror or, or whatever it may be, we provide an end point that is different every single time because we've overanalyzed it and we look for something else every single time. So we'll look in the mirror and go... Look fat today. Oh, legs look bigger. Oh, midsection looks bigger. Oh, double chin. Oh, my skin's. And it it just goes round and round and round and round. And rather than being able to rationally look at something and say, do you know what? I'm on my period. Yeah, things are going to change. Also, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't define me as a person. We go round and round in circles and we start to overanalyze the situation. And on a normal day, again, I use the term normal very loosely. I just mean on a typical day, maybe where we're not during that phase. We might be able to say like, oh, yeah, um, you know, I've actually thought about this two or three times now. Um, I'm satisfied with my first response and my first conclusion. So that's it. Whereas during this phase, we might say, oh, no, I found something else. Oh, no, I found something else. Oh, no, it's this, it's this. And it just goes round and round and round. And because you don't have this sort of break where it goes, ooh, let's just let's stop that before it spirals out of control a little bit. And again, this is very much just what the literature suggests. And it's something that females, it's not necessarily inherently like a good or a bad thing. It's just something that women experience and females experience. In this scenario, I think where you are maybe overanalyzing um, body shape, composition, image, that can produce the negative effect. And I see it a lot with clients. They don't realize that they're doing it. I think that's the interesting thing. They're never in their check-ins say, I'm on my period, so therefore I think this about my body today. It's always, one of the, the questions in my, in my check-in template is current well and mindset. And they'll say, wasn't particularly happy with uh, the way that I looked this week. I mean, not not all of my clients are physique-based clients, but let's say, for example, a physique-based client, say, I'm not overly happy with with how I look this week. Um, I feel like I look like this, and I feel like I looked better last week, or I feel like I'm going to look better next week. And it's never rationalized by, but I'm on my period, so that's probably irrational. Is or very, it, or very it, rarely it is.
0: It's taken more of a personal thing, like, I am this right now.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's very much a, this week I'm, I'm puffy. This week I don't look as good. And it's, you know, even if, and I have to be the object, objective person and say, you look better than you did last week for X, Y, Z. You look like this this week. And none of these things are inherently bad. So if I say to somebody, okay, um, you look like you're holding more fluid around your midsection that is not a good thing or a bad thing. That is a physiological response to something that's happening within the body. If if that fluid retention is a necessity for the process, spot on. It's not an inherently good or bad thing. So I think making objective comments rather than, oh yeah, you're right, you do look a bit shit this week, you know? And, and kind of, again, reinforcing that behavior is really, really important. And I think particularly within... um you know, that phase where the blood does start to pool around, um, the gut and around sort of the lower abdomen, objective statements need to be at the forefront of your coaching communication, you know, and, and actually telling people like, let's just remind ourselves the phase that we're in. And let's just remind ourselves that it doesn't last the entire 28 days. And also it doesn't define you as a person. It is something that has happened, which is literally what we said at the start of the podcast. It's something that happens it's not your personality at all like it's just (laughs) you're a
0: female right so again uh, touching on something you just said there with with regards to especially fluid retention and blood pooling i believe you said um yeah like knowing that this stuff is a is a part of this process and that that is going to happen and again that it's not it's not your it's not your failings as a human being it's neither it's neither inherently good nor bad it is just something that will happen to your body as it goes through this process um and again this awareness that these things are happening um so that hopefully there's that little bit more of you that goes yeah this is this is just something that happens like this is this is my body doing its thing like it's, it's going through this process it's doing the thing I can't I I can't change this and neither would I want to right because your yeah. your your body's is like is doing a very important thing it knows what it's doing and so that's just one of the the byproducts I'm interested to know um because I feel like it links in with with body image as well do you know anything about the literature or even experience uh, with regards to even yourself or clients uh, with regards to whether body checking increases during certain phases that that then makes this issue worse, right? So you're looking at your body more, you, you check yourself in the mirror more, you check the fine details more. Is there anything, again, in the literature or your personal experience with regards to that?
1: There is. There... Um... <sighs>
0: I say it the because I think city. that we don't we don't think about it, right? Like how many times we look at ourselves as we're passing a shop window, we take it for granted, but it was only... Yeah, doing, yeah. I'm going to do a bit of a shout out here, but when I was doing the EIQ course that they spoke about this and the psychological effect of constant body checking and how that makes it worse because you're then making one of your primary focuses of your life what your body yeah. looks like and you're making it a primary focus of your life at a point where changes are happening to it. Right. So you're, you're stacking like this, you're looking at it more and providing yourself with those hits of like, Oh, what do I look like? Or what do I look like? Or what do I look like during one of the periods where it fluctuates the most and changes?
1: The name of the study escapes me and and the researcher, but I'm quite confident there is a study that looks at maybe not the frequency of it, but the the um, the, the buzzwords and the quality of data that comes about as a result of the internalized checks and things. Um, anecdotally, from, from my experience within myself and, and quite a, a large female client base, something that I haven't seen in literature, but I can definitely vouch for, is the frequency of palpating the skin. And the lower abdomen during the menstrual cycle. So palpation, I mean, literally like doing this and like tapping a region. So actually, right? which, physically which is touching yourself. Massive. Yeah. Wow. So like physical palpation. So um, something that I look for in check-ins, particularly with with physique athletes or maybe somebody who is dealing with a a gastric condition or something like that, is how the the skin sits on the body and something that women are very very good at picking up on is how the skin feels and sits on the body so palpating the lower abdomen if it looks you know the buzzwords like puffy or bloated or things like that I, I've i found that women now and again this is very much just anecdotal it's just within my client base it could be because we're looking at you know physique athletes or women who we do analyze their performance and their physique and, and sort of body compositional changes, they do tend to palpate around the hips and the region where we see sort of inflammatory cascades really kick in. So the the lower abdomen bloating and things like that because of that increased blood flow to that region. But a lot of women palpate along that region. So it's usually around the lower abs. They'll sort of touch it and go, see, it feels really puffy. Or, oh, it's really hard. Or my lower abs are really firm. So a lot of physical contact as well as visual sort of cues as well so they start to pair the visual cue of my lower abs but really bloated with the palpation across the lower abs I don't know what the literature says on palpations but I'm quite confident that there's increased sort of visual checks um and internalized sort of dialogue of oh I'm puffy today I'm this isn't this um there's a there's a there's a review um or like a meta-analysis somewhere that looks at um again it's qualitative data so basically the occurrence of, of those words typically associated with somebody who experiences a symptom during the period. So the likes of bloated, puffy, swollen, that kind of thing. Um and again, that's a, it's a physiological process. And it's an inflammatory cascade that happens. You can't you can blunt it if you wanted to. You, that there is, you know, there's means and modalities to blunt that cascade, but you know, the body's incredibly clever and regulated it's there for a reason so if you blunt that you know you you pay the price for it there's we were saying earlier there's a there's a toll for everything and if you blunt one thing do you upregulate something else of course you do you know it's this balance of homeostasis we have to maintain this balance and if we blunt an inflammatory cascade what else are you pushing up as a result what else do you blunt as a result and then do you find something else further down the line that you've caused as a result of that so for an aesthetic point of view, yes, it, I would say the the frequency and the the actual occurrence of physical touch and visual checks increases a lot. Um, usually, in the in the first day that they experience an emotional shift, so they look for an answer in why that emotional shift has come about. And usually that is through the palpation of the lower abdomen where they go, Oh, am I coming on? Am I swollen down there? Oh, that's why I feel like shit today. So they are try and like pair a, a physical response to an emotional response, which makes a lot of sense really, because it's sort of, if that clarifies why that behaviors occur and then that's absolutely fine. Like maybe some people just need the justification for the way that they feel. And that's cool.
0: Well, that's it. I guess you, you know, we always want to find answers for things. Um, especially if, if we are overthinkers, we're like, right, why, why am I feeling like this today? And so therefore you go Mm -hmm. on a hunt, right? Whereas actually it might just literally just be because your brain and your body that day happens to just feel like that. Especially if you've got hormones, Mm -hmm. you know, fluxing through your body, but we want to, especially like a a physical thing, a tangible thing, a reason, why do I feel like this? Was it this? Was it this? Mm -hmm. Is it this visual thing? And it's very easy to reach for the physical right i guess my the reason for bringing up body checking is because i i feel like if you're the to put it simply the more times you check your body the more opportunities you have to criticize yourself or find something yes so you might keep looking And you might be like, okay, okay, okay. And then it's that one time that you see something that you don't like. And then you go, ah, I knew it. I'm like this or I'm like that. And that starts off the negative spiral. And I just wanted to bring that up because, again, I think it's something that we don't think about. And I I feel like a large part of this, this podcast anyway, this episode, is hopefully to provide people with the awareness that these things are happening Mm -hmm. because so many things that we, we, when we don't understand that these things are happening again, we internalize it. We take it, we take it on personally. Like I feel like shit, I'm shit. And I feel like by being aware that these things can possibly happen, it hopefully allows us to be a little bit more forgiving with ourselves, both physically, both mentally to be like, look, look, shit is happening right now and there's a lot of stuff going on that i might not understand but now that i'm aware that these shifts can happen instead of taking it as like oh this is me i can possibly rationalize it i don't know if rationalize is the correct word but go i know that my brain and my body are currently doing things yeah that will make these these things happen right Um, justification isn't it yeah but and also then you can You can keep an eye out for them and if you wish to try and then use interventions to help with something you're currently struggling with that's that's great but even if it's i think just a bit of acceptance and a bit of um just niceness to yourself to go yeah okay this again this is not my failure as a human being this is not something that is going on because exactly. i've done something wrong it's just like this thing is happening cool i'll roll i'll because mm-hmm. i it. am you know, a I'll human being
1: like yeah like yeah, you're, a, you're human, a human for being. god's sake like, <laughs> and the body does some impressive if, if things we, if we had the possibility to override every single potentially negative thing that happened we wouldn't be humans would be Fucking cyborgs, for God's sake. And don't get me wrong, I'd love to be able to do it, but that's not how the body works. Like, we are humans at the end of the day, and there's always going to be this loop of action, behavior, you know, consequence. It's, you know, something is going to happen as a result, and it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It's about being aware and making peace with it. And, you know, if you want to do something about it, yeah, you can. And if it doesn't work, okay. Again, you are a human. You can't just press a button where it goes. Oh, I'm gonna reboot, start again, have another go. You know the, you know the um, clean disk feature on Windows. We don't have that. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't. We don't have a clean disk feature. Oh, if only. Um, I know. I know. Defrag but, some yeah, memories we off of that old.
0: old oh, hard
1: drive. oh god, yeah. C- clear, clear random access and all that shit. You know, like all of that stuff clean up drive and uh, all that crap clear cash all that stuff but we don't we don't have it
0: (laughs) the cash one is definitely something i could i could i could
1: do it same same honestly a lot of of shit up there
0: (laughs) and that's it for part one i hope you enjoyed it Feel free to leave a comment or a like or throw me or Sophie a message. If you've got any questions or if you've got any comments on the episode, we would love to hear your feedback and whether you found anything useful. And the second part of this will be out in a few days. Until then, take care.